Interior. Night. Recording studio. Two redheads begin pre-show warm-ups. Red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. Jack, write that you gargle your water or something. Jack gargles some water. And then put that we say, welcome to Script Shop. Who? Me or you? Mm-hmm. You say it. Welcome to Script Shop. N- no, but like, really, say it. Like, right now. Like, right now. Let's go for it. Welcome to Scrimshaw. No, Jack. Top. <laughs> Omaha. No, Jack. Welcome to Script Shop. Well, here we are. Look at you. We're back again. It's Script Shop Show. Who are we looking at? We're, I'm looking at you. Oh, my goodness. I'm, but you didn't when you said that, so I was confused. I'm looking at you now, <laughs> Allison West. Ooh, how do I look? You look great. Oh, my gosh. Jack, thank you. Look, you. I, you look great. Yeah. I really appreciate it. I bartended all day long. It makes me very like... Did you really? I did. Yeah. I smell like beer. Mm-hmm. Just you didn't really FYI. bring the scent with you. It's okay. No. Sometimes Philip um, will hug me and be like, hmm... Beer, <laughs> like yeah. Homer Simpson beer lips. Yeah, right. <laughs> so this is Script Shop Show. <laughs> I'm Jack, and this is Allison, yes. and, and we talk with screenwriters about their scripts. Yes, we do. We talk about the things that are important to them and where they came from and how those things made their way into the script we're talking about. We, how it created the art. The art of the monster of the person inside them. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, tonight we will be talking to Al Mertens with his script, Thank You, Amelia Earhart. It's an 82-page feature, a time capsule romance, um, and a very much a we-can-do-it female-focused flashback screenplay. There you go. Boy, yeah. you nailed it. Oh, thank you. She was so nervous about that alliteration, <laughs> but she really, you really, you really clocked That's, it. That's, Thanks. I, yeah, every day I'm just improving. That's my goals. So if you do enjoy the show, uh, something that we would like you to maybe consider is going on to Patreon, the website where people can donate to artists if they appreciate their work. And if you want to, I mean, this is this is like sort of a PBS sort of, I don't want to say begathon because that's a jerky way of saying a it. Megathon. But just like, you know that's how like a... when you're trying to watch like like Mark Russell and like yeah. you got to sit through some guy telling you why you should yeah. send money And there's to like all the people and their their levels of phones mm-hmm. and right. you know, and they're walking around like, please call in to the lines here. This is that except we don't have the bank of phones and it's as easy as going on the computer and going on to Patreon, Patreon. and looking up Script Shop Show. Yeah. So if you do like what we're doing... Um, and would like to Patreonize us, then please go on to Patreon, look up Script Shop Show, and you can pledge to um, contribute, a, a, you know, as much or as little amount of money as you want to just help us keep the show running. We, yeah, it, I mean, you know, it's up to you. We, you're cool. We're cool either way. Yeah. Um, something else that we need to update people on. Well, I was going to say the oh, other thing that I'm keeps sorry. the show running yes. is that was just too good of a segue. Oh, it go was back. good. No, sorry, no, no, thanks. keep going, keep going. The other thing that keeps the show running is scripts. So if you have a script and you're a writer or you know a writer and you're interested in um, having their script or your script on the show, please go to scriptshopshow.com slash submit and send in your script because we definitely want to read it. And uh, we, we need scripts to talk about scripts. You can submit to us your yeah. script. Yeah. Okay. Is. So now, flash forward. I was going to shift gears into the other big thing of yes. yours. Yes. Dun-da-da-dun-da-da-dun-dun-dun. Syndependent Film Festival. Syndependent Film Festival. Yes. So Script Shop is partnering with the Syndependent Film Festival, which is happening in Cincinnati, Ohio, August 23rd, 24th, 25th, 2018. Mm-hmm. This is a new, it's the um, premiere year for an independent film festival. The first annual. Yes. Um, many more to come mm-hmm. for independent film festival in Cincinnati, Ohio, because we um, need a very fresh take on a film festival here. And it's uh, being run by me, Allison West. Mm-hmm. Jack Crumley is involved as well. Thank you, Script Shop Jack. Much appreciated. Well, yeah, I'm happy. I was, listen, I was thrilled you invited me to do this show with you. And I'm thrilled. To, <laughs> I, listen, I'm just going to, here's the thing I am just uh, going to hitch my wagon to your star, and uh, I'm just going to let you. Drag me across the sky, and I'm going to be okay with that. Do you want to have a piggyback ride across the sky? Sure. Okay. So I mean, you can and whatever metaphor you want. Ride. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. That's fun. Um, so if um, 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 if you have a screenplay, you can submit it to the Independent Film Festival as well. If you're interested in visiting Cincinnati and visiting us here, yeah. We also are accepting short and feature films of any genre. So look us up on Film Freeway. Look us up at SindependentFilmFest.org. Independent Film Fest. C I N D E P N D. Because it's E&T. here in Cincinnati. Yeah. So there's that. That's good. That's great. 
Um, we are talking about, we talked to Al, I'm just going through the mental checklist here. I feel like we're like, we're in this zone where we want to be on and we want to get it. We talking about books. You want to talk about books? Let's talk about books. What are you reading? Uh, one of the things that I really like to read in terms of actual books that aren't comic books are biographies. I'm a big sucker for nonfiction and I love biographies. I especially love Uh, autobiographies. I I can't believe that I didn't didn't know this about me. Love I love biographies as well. Mm -hmm. I read tons of biographies and autobiographies in middle school. Well, we're going to have to maybe swap some, swap notes about. What's one of the best ones you ever read? Martin Short, which came out not that long ago. Yeah. I have, yes. I have long respected Martin Short yeah. as one of the hardest working people in comedy. Really? Who has just been, he's, every time Every time you see something that Martin Short is on, he brings it. Yeah. I've never seen anything where Martin Short just sort of phoned it in. Like he's incredible every time. And it, it, to the point where it may be a little bit over the top, but like he's never, he never underwhelms. Yeah. Martin Short is always on it. Yeah. And he came out with a book a few years back, a year or two ago called I Must Say. Mm. And it's so cool because it's Martin Short like in the comedy scene in like Canada. Canada and New York in the 70s. He's dating Gilda Radner. He's hanging out oh, with man. like Catherine O'Hara and Dan Aykroyd oh. and like all these names. And it's all before any of them are anybody yet. Right. And it's a really great book. Martin Short, I must say, yeah. one of my favorites. Oh, man. Um, what do you think about celebrities writing biographies or autobiographies? I mean, look, it's probably not them doing the actual writing, unless it is. I mean, sometimes so. it really is. It, I, it's hard to tell, I think, yeah. because you get these professional people who know how to write in somebody's voice. Yeah. And I think that's the whole point. You're not supposed to be able to tell. With this one, I'd like to think that he wrote a lot of it because yeah. he's not maybe one of the more vapid type dudes. He seems like a pretty sharp cat. I feel like autobiographies of celebrities, too, is like um, such a... It's now becoming its own thing. Yeah. You know, it just doesn't fit into autobiography. Almost every celebrity has written their story. Well, it's not even that. It's just about like putting out a book of their personality the same way that they would yeah. put out like a perfume or whatever. Yeah. It's just another piece of it. Right. Sure. Well, that makes a lot of sense. One of the, Okay. So one what of the best. Reading? Well. Or biography Yeah. Wise. I'll tell you about my best, my favorite biography. Mm-hmm. Weirdly enough, was a biography of Marie Curie. Oh. I can't remember what it was called because I read it in middle school. But it was incredible mm-hmm. just listening to the love story between her and her husband as they were working with different like elements and a lot of radiation and, and like diseases and stuff, uh-huh. right? Yeah, and uh, the fact that they also were exposed to so much led to illness and death. Yikes! Yeah, it was. It's what a romance. <laughs> <laughs> illness and death and. Mm. All that kind of stuff. All the great places where love grows. Uh, um, okay, so also biographies. Our guest, Al Mertens, Our guest. Who we're about to come to. This script, mm-hmm. I think, is inspired by somebody um, very close to him. Oh, okay. Yeah, so um, let's go ahead and say hey to him. And then, you want to talk to Al? Yeah. All right. See where we get from there. Live from Oklahoma, here's Al Mertens. Hi, Al. What's going on, man? Hi, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, you are. Yeah. Oh, you bet. Yeah, so what city in Oklahoma are you in? Oh, I'm in the very central part of Oklahoma, Oklahoma City. Okay, great. The hub, the hub of Oklahoma. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah <the> <laughs> Why are you giggling about that? <laughs> well, you know, I, and I can say this being from Oklahoma, you know, the hub, you know, it's, uh, well, I don't know, maybe Cincinnati is about as big as Oklahoma City is. Mm, you know, it's a big small town. Cincinnati, so. yeah, it's a big small town, but it's also a big it's a biggish city. I think it's, I think Cincinnati's a little bit bigger than Oklahoma. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. I gotcha. Maybe you should visit yeah. for so, the so film someone festival. Someone called Cincinnati the hub. It would be kind of the same thing, you know. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Well, you, you should come into town for this independent film festival. <laughs> Shameless yeah, plug part two. Serious. Yeah. I need to visit my cousin up there. Actually. <laughs> yeah. Probably so. The other Mr. Mertens. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, Al, have you always been in Oklahoma? Are you a Tornado Alley, Central Country, Oklahoma yeah, kind of guy? Yeah, born and raised. Um, did a little uh, stint in Uncle, Uncle Sam's finishing school out of high school, uh, the U.S. Army. Ah, uh, okay, yeah, I got it. I got it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, lived up in the Pacific Northwest for a while after that. You know, but this is home. You know, people yeah. tend to move back. So, yeah, that's definitely what I did. But it's a... It's a Real good place to kind of hang out and do your thing. Well, when did you start writing? Yeah, when did you start doing your thing? <laughs> well, actually, it, it's kind of a circuitous route on that uh, that issue. Um, back in 2006, 
um, a good friend of mine uh, was tragically uh, killed in in a small plane crash. Oh, jeez! And so our mutual friends um, that that person had as an adult taken all the time to go to the classes and actually uh, became Catholic. And so it was very important to her to uh, every, everyone just knew that you know it would be be a Catholic funeral. And so our friends just out of the blue asked me to write the eulogy. Uh, and no pressure so there. I did that. Mm. Yeah, and uh, for some reason, just just the floodgates were open as far as writing uh, emotional things, and so then I uh, became an adrenaline junkie, blogging junkie for several years, <laughs> just writing about all sorts of, you know, all these all these things, and uh, you know that kind of morphed into uh, eventually into screenplay writing. Um, I I have to just kind of diverge for a second and go back to the idea of writing a eulogy just because it's very very special yeah um, what kind of what did if you wouldn't mind sharing what did you say about her in that eulogy what kinds of things did you learn about what, her? what did i say about the friend yeah, yeah. um it, 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 as much as you're comfortable going yeah, into yeah it uh, it's just really yeah yeah um you know ironically um there was a mix-up, and the actual text didn't make it to the priest, so the eulogy was actually never delivered. Wow. Wait, um, wow. But, but okay. just thinking about somebody, just the tragedy of somebody dying young, especially with young children, yeah. and just, you know, the proverbial whole life in front of them and um, cut short, mm-hmm. you know, just, just someone who was just one of the sweetest people, you know, who any of us knew, mm-hmm. and, and just, just the tragedy of that. Do you think that that kind of honesty is what propelled you into writing so much from that point forward? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, For some reason, that was the permission to write and express. And um, it it, it took that situation to um, go from, well, you know, I kind of feel these things and to, to actually okay well they're asking you to write about it and so then that that morphed into writing about things that kind of struck my fancy emotionally mm-hmm. mm. yeah is it the kind of thing where like if i can write about this incredibly painful personal thing then i can write about anything else especially something that would be a little more fictional yeah absolutely yeah that's absolutely right and it's sort of the situation of um you know, like I say, I mean, kind of having permission to be able to do that and and then having people respond to it. That was the thing that, you know, maybe, you know, a lot of us are seeking in life, just connection with our fellows and, um, you know, being able to do that emotionally is just, you know, for me, just really, I mean, as, as, as good as it gets. So if you went from, um, this one specific instance to then ultimately doing a lot of blogging and free writing, how did you eventually learn the technical pieces of screenwriting and really turn in that direction? Yeah. Well, uh, it was one of those, what I call a God deal, which uh, maybe four years or so ago, well, actually maybe about five or six years or so ago, um, I started thinking, well, maybe I can write something a little bit longer, like say a short story. So I wrote a couple of them. And um, then I thought, well, you know, maybe I can find a group of people to kind of learn the craft. And so I went to uh, the OF, uh, OWFI, Oklahoma Writers Federation Incorporated. That's probably wrong, but something to that effect. Close they had an annual <laughs> uh, uh, conference, or I guess you'd call it. And so I went and met some other writers and started going to a monthly um monthly Saturday morning meeting and just got a little inspired. And then uh, about a year after that, I saw an ad in the paper uh, for um, a three-day screenwriting class. And I thought, well, you know, that kind of sounds interesting. So I went ahead and took it and I thought, okay, this is exactly what I'm looking for because the uh, I didn't know anything about the format. The, the format is, is so stripped down. It, it's, it's really a... Um, just just perfect for me, and I only learned that just going to this several day uh, 
class. And so that, that, you know, propelled me into learning the format and just working, working within that. So, you know, it worked out. Yeah. That's, that's, I'm just shocked at how to go from something that's personal and then shifting gears to being able to do anything else. I think that's, that, that's something a lot of people never even get to that level of like self-realization. Well, there actually was another stop along the way. Um, I actually spent about two years writing a novel, which is yet unpublished. Okay. And, and so, you know, in that exercise, just thinking, well, I'm, I'm good at uh, blogging and people respond to that. and It's short enough to keep my attention. But, you know, that longer prose form, it's just, oh, man, it's just not for me. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's a tough order sometimes. I'm necessarily good at it. So that was a real kind of dead end, so to speak, along the way. But that process did give me um, a story that I like very much and that I've actually converted to a screenplay that I hope to shoot uh, as a feature film at some point. Oh, that's great. Okay. Uh, yeah, on the back burner. Do you yeah. do you produce then as well? Yeah, I write and also direct. Um, yes, uh, I've written several, uh, written and directed several short films. And then uh, right now I'm actually in post-production on my first feature-length film that mm. I uh, wrote. Oh, congratulations. And, uh, yeah, thank you very, very much. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, uh, boy. Yeah. All the work you can handle. <laughs> and then probably and then some. Indie filmmaking is just really, you got to love it. You do. do. Yeah. So do you, just, you know, professionally then, do you do the festival circuit or do you sell your movies or what do you do with your work after you have it? Well, I'm in a very fortunate position. I actually have a career outside of um, the writing and filmmaking. Um, for example, on that feature film, it was my first screenplay, feature screenplay that I wrote. And uh, what I did was uh, submitted it to festivals um, you know, around the country, and it won some awards and some things. But then um, went ahead and uh, met and talked to and uh, really got on board with incredibly talented people locally who uh, have the skills that I don't have as far as uh, uh, being cinematographers or uh, assistant directors and editors and sound people and all that. So we have a little crew down here that, um, you know, has just been absolutely instrumental. Uh, a couple of really wonderful guys who are producers and, you know, just, just kind of making the rounds and being visible and meeting people and you know, having shared uh, passion for the thing, that's really kind of what it what it does, you know, kind of kind of the way it works, or mm-hmm. at least for me so far. That's one of the things that I'm always interested by in terms of filmmaking, when it starts with someone who has written a script and then it turns into such a complex collaborative process, or at least it can, depending on the people involved, when you do, like you just said, maybe certain technical elements maybe aren't your thing, and then you get people who are, experts in lighting and 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 directors and producers and it, it it really just keeps adding i don't know like adding flavors into like a chili is that a, is that a weird metaphor oh no that that's an excellent way to, to to talk about how that works and uh they say that uh filmmaking is actually the most collaborative form of art in the world yeah i can see that you know, sure. for all those things you're talking about um and from the writing aspect i i don't I guess I want to say that the writing is what I like the best, but uh, they also say that films are written essentially three times, or at least three times. Uh, the first time is the writer, you know, going into that solitary space and actually uh, producing the script. Uh, then the second time is when the movie's actually directed, and then um, you know, all sorts of things uh, work or they don't work, and uh, everyone kind of throws their creative vision in. Uh, and then the third time is in the editing process, and I can just absolutely guarantee, in my own personal experience, that that is true. I mean, there, mm-hmm. every film is written at least three times. You know, so so that's been just that, that's really exciting. You know, for for a writer like myself. Right. Yeah. So you know, you talk about having um, a group of people locally to work with you. What do you find, kind of, in terms of the scene, the the entertainment industry scene, being in Oklahoma City? You know, um, Josh Hope, who oh, did yeah. Sad Bastard Club, 
He's from Oklahoma City, and he lives there. <laughs> Have you heard of that yeah, script? Josh is a great guy. Oh, yeah, you know He's him. Good. Example. Oh, that's so yeah, funny, because yeah, I didn't want to be like, do you know Josh Hope? He also lives oh, in no, Oklahoma. No, no, no. In fact, on that film I'm talking about, Lord Finn is the name of it. Um, I actually sat down with Josh uh, as far as producing it. Oh, cool. Yeah, probably a year and a half or so ago, maybe longer ago than that. But, yeah, Josh is just one of the most supportive people I know. You know, he's got got his fingers in a lot of different things, but he's a lot of different chilies. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that guy loves chili. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, this is all coming together here. Yeah, he. Uh, but he yeah, is a Josh, sweet guy. everyone knows him, loves him. Yeah, he, he's just a just a great, great example. Yeah. So, what do you example. what do you think about the scene, the entertainment scene in Oklahoma City? You have your group. Is that is that sad? Do you feel content working that way? Yeah, uh, I, I've heard, and I don't know this for a fact, but I've heard that, uh, you know, not not being judgmental, but there are places, uh, specifically, you know, California, where people just, you know, they're just, they're, they're maybe a little bit jaded and worn out by by filmmakers. Yeah. Okay. Um, here, everyone's like, oh yeah, shoot here, you know, or just, you know, yeah, yeah, what can we do? So it's this just this hugely enthusiastic community. That's kind of typical of Oklahomans. I mean, we are pretty yeah. friendly people. You are friendly people. But, That's true. Yeah. yeah. I mean that in but, complete uh, seriousness. Yeah. Hmm. L- lots of talent and, and lots of enthusiasm. In fact, um, that uh, screenwriting class that I mentioned, that was done at a community college, uh, OCCC, Oklahoma City Community College. And who heads that thing is a local guy who is none other than Oscar-winning producer Gray Fredrickson, Oscar-winning producer of The Godfather. Ooh, shut now. up. He's right here in Oklahoma City, and he has his team of people, and they teach, and it's, it's amazing. That sounds wonderful. Yeah. It, it, it is wonderful. It's just absolutely, in fact, they brought in uh, Francis Ford Coppola a couple of years ago, oh. and oh my gosh. Yeah, I mean. Wow, what an opportunity. Yeah, it, it's at a really fevered pitch, I mean, here at the, the film community here in yeah. our area. And I, I totally understand, like, having um, a community around you that is refreshed and invigorated by filmmaking. I think that those kinds of things are completely invaluable in terms of the support you get to make your visions come to fruition. Yeah, it's, it's just so inspirational, and everybody is so supportive and helpful. And, um, yeah, I mean, you, you just couldn't really ask for anything more. I mean, it's everything that you need here to, to, to do what you want to do, I would say. So, Al, you've talked about how your first foray into writing, your 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 baptism was this very personal writing of, of a eulogy and then morphing into blogging, which can also, that's an extremely personal thing, too, because half the time you're just talking about stuff in your life and then you get into other forms of writing. This script that we have with you today, thank you, Amelia Earhart, which we're going to get into. What is there a personal connection here? Where Where did this come from? Uh, yeah, there is actually a personal connection. Um Essentially, uh, it's a story uh, predominantly of two two ladies, uh, one in her 90s and one, um, I would say, 19 or 20, just kind mm-hmm. of an indetermined or undetermined young age. Um, and the 90-something-year-old, Myrtle, uh, her original inspiration were two ladies who I knew, one very well, my mother, who passed away uh, mm-hmm. last year. And then the other one, uh, maybe a little bit more colorful here on the other one, um, was the grandmother of one of my brother's wives, and she passed away uh, the year before last, and she was only 107 years old. <laughs> only. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, um, so, so first, when she passed away, my original thought was, boy, I wish I had talked to her more, but then... You know, along the lines of full disclosure, I thought, well, we really wish I'd talked to her at all. Yeah. yeah. You know, because it just got my mind racing. Okay, well, here is somebody who, uh, and, and I did a little research here. Um, here's somebody who was born when Admiral Richard Perry discovered the North Pole. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, who was a little girl and remembered World War One. And, you know, you just uh, you just think from the perspective of somebody who's actually witnessed firsthand, you know, just so many uh, events in life and 
and uh, who uh, I'm told quipped more than once, you know, after her husband died, uh, well, you know, I, I just really wish I'd gotten remarried, <laughs> you know, because I just, I could have, you know, stood to have, have had another husband for, you know, <laughs> decades, you know, more. You know, that was one of the things that really struck me about the script, the, the, the personal element to it. I can, uh, my grandma uh, passed away a year ago this spring, and she was 101. And I, I've had the same thought process that you just described there. She was born in 1916. You're still talking, I mean, memories of World War One. Radio was barely a thing. Cars were barely a thing. And, and the, yeah. the, the um, way that you would yeah. see the world change over those decades, I can't even begin to wrap my head around. Staggering. It's amazing. Yeah, I mean, th- this lady, she was a uh, mother in her 30s during World War II. Yeah. You know, and, and drove almost to 100, you know, drove her car. Yeah, just just, just, uh, just an unbelievable resource. And so uh, this script here, you know, thank you, Amelia Earhart. It is in some small way talking about the personal nature of these things. Sure. It's in some small way um, me having had a chance to kind of, Spend some more Eulogize time with my them. Mom and time that I never spent with uh, with the um, relative. Yeah, man, it's beautiful. Then watching it come out of that place in your heart that just wants to connect and have a little bit more time with them. Yeah. Um, yeah. let's yeah. do a beat breakdown of the script a bit, and uh, Al, feel free to jump in on this wherever we we are going with it. So, of course, we start with season, and uh, season is stepping in for a nurse. Okay, let me just backtrack. Want to try that again? Yeah, there's um, we have Myrtle in her 90s, mm-hmm. and she has a nurse who's going out on vacation, inter-season, who is taking over for her for a week. Um, there's a bit of a personality dynamic there that's different, and it starts bringing these stories out of Myrtle over the course of, I think, is it two weeks that uh, season is watching her, or just one? Yeah, it's almost an indeterminate length of time. Okay, it's, it's okay. not long by any means right yeah, so, so that that sounds about right but those two the chemist the personal chemistry between those two brings out stories of myrtle's past as myrtle continues to explore new and more current ideas with season than she may have encountered yet before and there and it's not all i mean it's not just like oh tell me about your life and then she connects with this older woman like there's a lot of conflict that gets bred right. out of these stories that Myrtle tells of of, yeah, of absolutely this, yeah. uh these are two very strong women mm-hmm. and uh season um is placed in this position to where she has to uh well maybe for lack of a better term endure Myrtle's uh curmudgeonness mm-hmm. and so you know, just speaks her mind, and and these ladies butt heads, and um, I think they secretly really like each other at the start, even. Right. But uh, you know, they just absolutely um, great on each other, and and uh, I think both of them are, are perhaps a little eager to prove to the other that they are worldly, and they do have deep opinions for or deep reasons for having their opinions on issues that maybe on the surface they maybe don't agree. On. I think that's interesting. The idea that they feel the need to prove to the other one that they're worldly. Because I think you're. I think that's a really good point. You've got this this younger girl who, of course, is going to be just by her own nature a little bit judgy. You know, I got to take care of this old lady. What does she know? Which I think is a it's such a ignorant knee jerk reaction that a lot of people have when they're younger. And then this older woman who also wants to prove that she's coming from somewhere, and the girl that I'm just not some younger piece of fluff. I think that's really interesting. That these two want to prove something to the other one. Yeah, yeah, I think that that is perhaps kind of the deep down, very basic underlying motivation. That's interesting. Behind them, they both want to be um, respected by the other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, but, you know, uh, we human beings, being human beings, we can't, you know, just come out and say, please respect me. (laughs) So we kind of have to force it. (laughs) Build it. You wouldn't be able to get 82 pages out of that with uh, just a quick please respect (laughs) me. (laughs) For 82 pages, that's right. Yeah, so I want to read the scene we have here, but before we jump into the scene, we need to talk a little bit about this romance. So we're going to mix a little bit of the themes with the scenes with the breakdowns here. Wow. So um, would you, Mr. Mertens, like to talk about the romance between Myrtle and Wesley in the story? Yeah. Um... Wesley is a character from uh, from the past, um, and and my my perception, you know, kind of looking through the sepia colored 
you know, <laughs> photographs that, you know, we see, you know, online or in the news, you know, it, it's just so, to me, it's almost quaint. Um, and, and it's very easy to look back and say, well, you know, people met and they stayed, or, well, it's easy for me to kind of put on the rose colored glasses and say, well, you know, that's so quaint and people met and they fell in love and they stayed together their whole lives, right. and, you know, just nice and neat. But this is kind of an attempt to, uh, say, well, you know, they have all these same issues that we do now. Yeah. You know, it was a different time for sure. Uh, Wesley is the gentleman, um, who is Myrtle's, uh, the, the acceptable love interest. And they knew each other, uh, presumably from when they were kids. Uh, our first flashback picks them up when I would say maybe they're, they're preteens possibly, but they're young and, um, hormones are raging and they, uh, you know, they, they, they butt heads too, because Myrtle, uh, is very deeply, uh, religious, uh, as as we uh, start, you know, back when she was young. And uh, Wesley, uh, <laughs> interestingly enough, he he's, goes to Myrtle's house, actually, to see her sister. Yeah, he's there but for the sister. And Myrtle get to talking, and so the rest is kind of the way it happens sometimes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then it goes on, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, I think that's a pretty good setup, yeah. right? Yeah, I think so, too. Okay, so let's dive into this script. So today we're going to be reading, uh, listeners, just... Simple pages 41 through 47 from this script. Um, I, Allison, will be playing young Myrtle. At this point, she's a little bit older. She's not a preteen. She and Wesley have had a relationship for some time. Jack, as per the usual, will play my love interest. Mm -hmm. And in this case, it'll be Wesley. You're welcome. And and (laughs) today we have Frank doing our action headings. So hello, Frank. Hi. All right, so everybody feeling good in the studio? Yeah. Ready? Al, Al you, are you okay? You good? I'm good. And All right. I'm, I'm eagerly anticipating that. <laughs> You're sweet. And take it away, Frank. Interior. House. Night. Flashback. Wesley holds a reflective young Myrtle as they lean back on the sofa. Both are somewhat disheveled. Daddy kept trying for a little boy. Instead, he got a dead wife. You know why he named me Myrtle? Why? Daddy said it's the closest thing to Michael, the boy archangel. I I have to tell you something. She looks at him with frightened eyes. Out with it. He struggles to his feet. We always talk good dancing. She stands into his embrace. They swing back and forth. After what the Japs did, I ain't waiting around for the G-men to come for me. I'm a-going now. Something a man's gotta do. You're not a man. That's not what I mean. Gee whiz, I'm going easy on you. God help me for what I'm about to say. But damn you. I said damn you! Wesley breaks free, retreats a few steps. You can't go. I have to. You love me. You have the best of times here with me. You said so. Someone has to keep you safe. She walks to him, puts his hands on her face. Feel. I'm safe. You feel safe in church? I am safe in church. You know why they bombed our boys on a Sunday morning? Because our side was in church, worshiping God. Something shifts. So what will they have you doing? Fly and drop bombs right back on them. It's only right. She plods to her Bible, picks it up, presses it to her face. If it's supposed to be, God will tell us. Read to me. Of course, my dearest. They return to the sofa. She puts her Bible in his hands. He pulls the glasses from his shirt pocket. She grabs them, tosses them to the floor, stomps them. Now you can't fly! He bends down, picks up the pieces. I already took the doctor inspection and they want me. It's all right. I won't get hurt. She gives in fully to despair. You're going to teach church stuff. I'm going to drop plenty of bombs and then come home and we're going to live happy in our own house. She peeks at him through tears, wanting to believe. You'll go to church with me. I'll make it safe for us. The end of Babel. This world a clean temple, free of Japs. And Chinamen. Daddy says the Chinamen are our friends. I have something for you. You ain't gonna toss beans at me if I step to the porch to get it, are you? 
She shakes her head. He stands, grabs a bag from just outside the door. He returns, hands her the bag. She stares at it. Open it. She does. Pulls out an aviator's hat. My, Miss Amelia Earhart, I presume. <laughs> How did you? LaSalle said I could send money till it's paid. It's all worked out. Put it on. She does. It's too good to be true. I'll earn mine right off. Listen to the radio for me. When I'm home for good, you wear yours, and I'll wear mine when I fly you in my plane. The real Lady Lindy flew around the world. I can't even drive a motor car. When I'm gone, just close your eyes and drive. And then when I'm back, I'll teach you. Flying, too. Heck, you'll be a real Amelia Earhart. Quick as I can, I will send you a swell photograph of me in flying school. It's heaven. All of it. Dress right, dress and smart as you please. They'll give you spiffy clothes to wear like you never saw, except in the newspaper. And your fancy shoes have the spittinous shine on them. Cripes, you should see my brother's police outfit he struts in every day. He says that if he comes back before me, he'll be deputy and keep you safe till I arrive. I'll buy new shoes for you with my pay. No holes in them. I'll buy you shiny white dresses, no stains. When are you leaving me? I know you're not thick on it. When are you leaving me? Tomorrow. So, a last bit of sinning today. I'm, I'm scared. The Lord my God said to Joshua, Be strong, be brave, be fearless, for you are never alone. He nods. A low-level electric current is running through her. Finally, it grounds. You're not coming back for me. Don't say that. It's not right. It is right, but it's no matter. I'll make someone else teach me to work Daddy's motor car. I'll make him lemonade, and we'll sit on the porch and smoke. And live right here in this house, surrounded by rose bushes he's going to buy me. And he'll be happy coming home to me, to dance at night, every night, and maybe... Maybe he's even a field hand negra. Thank you for teaching me how to dance with him. He slogs to the door. I'm going to shoot every kraut inside, maybe even Heil Hitler himself. Pray for me. She shucks the hat onto the coffee table, turns her back. When he's gone, it calls out to her. She dons it, pulls it off, buries it in her chest, throws back her head. Myrtle continues in voiceover. I let other boys in here. Sis and me, trading on our looks and all. You know how that works. Daddy didn't notice. Dead mama took his whole mind till the day he died. Right here. My caring for him didn't buy him even one more day. Black screen. Myrtle continues in voiceover. That was when we didn't ship people off so we didn't have to see them. And scene. Wow, Al. Mm. Yeah. Al, what wow. a beautiful scene. That's a lot going scene. on. Yeah. Mm. Bravo. Thank you. Well, Thanks, that's man. the first time that I've heard that um, outside of um, several sessions just so where, where people read it so I could hear it and work on the script. Wow. Bravo. I mean, there's a lot to, that's a lot to work with, man. There's, there's a, a lot of complicated of, emotions. Yeah, there's a ton of beautiful relationship work, situational work. And then also, right at the end, it flashes, it reverts back to the current time with her mm-hmm, talking right. about that situation. But, you know, it starts out so beautifully and personal and romantic with them laying in each other's arms on the couch. And she brings up this thing about never really being good enough for her father, but kind of coming close. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Wesley's just got to tell her now that yep. this is happening and has to break this romance between them. But I just can't get over, like, where the scene begins yeah. and where it ends. And, and that, it's so good. <laughs> well, thank you. There's a reason why for that. <laughs> Do tell. Uh, I've been told that Jack Nicholson, uh, one of his criteria for taking on a script is it has to have at least, and I think the number is three, maybe it's five, uh, it has to have a certain number of scenes that absolutely turn like that. And that gives him the opportunity as an actor to display his range. Yeah, sure. 
And so I always try to keep that in mind with scenes uh, where, where it's appropriate. And when they can turn like that, you maybe have something. <laughs> so Yeah, you give people someplace we, to go. Yeah. Yeah, you, you just keep flipping back and forth, and it's almost like this emotional roller coaster ride that we're on. Yeah. You know, reading it or, or, or hopefully eventually seeing it in film. Well, it helps, too, um, for an actor to really delve into the pain of this because pain of course you know high emotions move quickly Mm -hmm. and so giving somebody the opportunity to flip between all of those because she's so in love and also so heartbroken and then she flips into um kind of hinting at hector this other man that she loves who's black Mm -hmm. you know that's all part of this here well, and I wonder, too, Al, I mean, how many times did this conversation play out with people in the real world at this time? I, I, not to make it about keep making it about me, I talked about my grandma, but my dad's dad was a, a, a gunner on a, on a B-17 in the war. And he's got I've, I've got the bracelet that that grandma gave to him that he wore and he was he got flack into his foot from some stuff going off and like just knowing that you're walking into this this hell that that's mm-hmm. about to be going on that everyone's walking into just the the idea that how many times that conversation played out amongst people is mm-hmm. staggering to me yeah well that's where the overactive imagination comes in yeah. um i've not ever had any conversation you know like this but you know as a writer you just think well okay if if i did what would my emotions be and you know, then the thing too, and Aaron Sorkin is actually, um, he, he calls it objective obstacle between characters, which is just absolutely critical. You know, you, you have to determine, okay, what is this character trying to do here? What do they want? Mm-hmm. And then what is preventing them from get there, from getting there? Wesley wants to smooth things over with his girl because he's leaving. You know, he wants it to go as smooth as possible. And he kind of sheepishly uh, waited to tell her, I presume, here <laughs> until the night before, because mm-hmm. uh, presumably he wanted to keep sleeping with her. Right. So <laughs> Yeah, because they're disheveled know, on that couch for a reason. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. The disheveled covers a lot of territory there, that mm-hmm. word at the start. Um, but then, of course, Myrtle doesn't want to see him go. And so uh, one tactic doesn't work, another doesn't work. So right. she's trying everything and yeah. just pulling out all the stops. And then finally, when she sees... It's to no avail. Then he asks her just this very uh, human, plaintive, pray for me, because for all his bravado, he's he's terrified. Yeah. And that's the only dagger that she can put into him at that point is just to just say that she's going to maybe be with a black man and maybe um, and, and not pray for him like he asked her to. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so this, um, presumably this script takes place in Oklahoma as well. Is, could we assume that? Um, that? That's a failing of this script. Um, that's kind of indeterminate. It's somewhere south. Okay. Oklahoma, maybe, well, Oklahoma's Oklahoma. We're kind of not really southwest or not really true south. We're not Texas, as most Oklahomans will tell you. <laughs> as most Texans will tell you, too. <laughs> yes, let the Texas-Oklahoma rivalries yeah, begin. Um, <laughs> but, but it is somewhere south. I, I, I only bring it up because, of course, the white and black um, theme here is a, a big one. It's a pulse of the script. Um, let's talk about Hector, the Hector character. Yeah, this other guy, this sort of, uh, I mean, it's this forbidden romance that, but it's also the one that's more, on, that she's more honest about, right? Yeah, yeah. Al, do you want to talk about Hector and um, and our, our lead, leading lady here? Sure, sure. Um, one of the things that occurred to me in writing this is, uh, well, let me back up. Oftentimes, um, whether you're writing a, a novel or a blog or a you know, short story or screenplay, you do somewhere have this nebulous idea, okay, this is what I'm trying to get across. Or at least that's the way my mind works on this. Mm -hmm. And then in the course of writing it, then you'll discover all these other nuances and these other themes. Um, One thing that was very clear to me from the very beginning, maybe, maybe even the only thing that was so clear to me was that for some reason, um, I think it's just too easy to dismiss uh, for, for some people to dismiss 
some older people who, by definition, are acting in a racist manner. Mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's the easy way out, possibly, to say, well, aren't they ignorant? You know, it's that proverbial mile in the moccasins. And these people, um, they have reasons to think what they think. And uh, since this is a podcast, I say this as a person of color. You know, I mean, I think we all need tolerance and we all need to understand that everybody has a different perspective. And to invalidate someone's perspective because it is absolutely at odds with yours, oh, man, I don't know that that's necessarily um, the best way to go. If we explore it and come to that same conclusion, I mean, I think that's one thing. But this whole thing, I think the story, part of what I wanted to convey was, okay, here's a person who's seemingly a racist that is born out of this tremendous hurt that this person has. And here's why. And, and hopefully, you know, the exercise here was a, you know, hopefully engaging, uh, you know, A to Z here on, uh, you know, our journey of understanding somebody who, who maybe says things like she says, but the more we know, you know, and especially uh, towards the end, the, the more maybe we kind of understand where she's coming from. You know, the, the character of Hector is actually, um, another love interest that appears uh, somewhat after Wesley. And uh, he's black, um, not to be stereotypical, but, you know, at the time, uh, his family actually does work Mm -hmm. for Myrtle's family. Uh, And and they have uh, a certain, certain little chemistry going. (laughs) And, and, and as we see towards the end, there's more there than maybe we even thought towards the beginning. In what you were talking about with people's opinions about other people based on race and stuff, one of the themes that does kind of run through this is the idea of honesty versus being mean. And I think for Myrtle's character specifically, she's coming to she's coming to all of her thoughts from a very specific place, as opposed to someone who's just writing off an entire race of people. She's got a very specific history on it. Oh yes, yes, absolutely. And and in one of the areas where I was trying to be funny that the younger um, character season actually calls Myrtle to the carpet. Mm-hmm. And then so Myrtle just uh, asked her to explain and, and, and it doesn't work because they're actually saying the very same thing, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just a, hopefully a little different spin maybe for, for a couple people who read it or see this that, Oh, you know, that, that does seem kind of racist, but, but maybe I'm the racist here. You know, I don't, <laughs> What we try to do is comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfort here as writers. (laughs) (laughs) You know, what a great character opportunity for for this Myrtle as a character, too. Especially in the beginning, that was sort of the first note that I took when I was reading this script, is what a big opportunity for somebody to really play something up uh, in this role. I think you gave them a lot to work with. Well, thank you. Yeah, I I hope so. Um, There's a lot of complexity um, well, in all of us, but especially somebody as sharp as she is and who's seen what she's seen. And, and maybe that's part of the other thing that I, you know, it, it's just so easy for, for me to, you know, you, you, maybe you're around an older person, but man, they have stuff that you just can't imagine, you know, and, and if you take the time just to, to explore that some, oh boy, there, there's just, just a, just literally a whole world there. You know, and, and this little lady who at the start is, a, you know, a curmudge in her house and the latest uh, caregiver, you know, is there and she's rude. And, you know, it's just so easy to write somebody like that off, you know, for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but boy, if you can just get them talking, holy smoke, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I just wonder how many opportunities like that I've missed in my life. Just numerous, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, what's also really beautiful about the script is not only do you are you providing a platform to do just that, allow um, an elderly person to share experiences of their life, their life, as well as the conflicts of their life. But by putting Myrtle and Season together, you are giving Myrtle the opportunity to continue to grow into the mm-hmm. end of her life, because, of mm-hmm. course, Season brings up all kinds of new, and I'm using air quotes, ideas 
to directly to Myrtle that she maybe didn't have to encounter before. But we see um, Season talking about her girlfriend and um, we also see Season bringing Chinese food mm-hmm. into the house and Myrtle is getting to grapple and grow personally with these just newly introduced concepts into her life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's well said. Yeah, it, it's it's just a pleasure, you know, for me as a writer, you know, you, you want to throw some curveballs at your characters and, it, and it's fun. You know, what would they do? You know, what would this lady who, uh, let's just say, is set in her ways um, do when somebody just brings in Chinese for them to eat? And that's what they're supposed to eat. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just an opportunity to, to explore that and hopefully have a laugh. Mm. So um, let's talk about kind of Myrtle's choices near the end of the script, if you don't mind. Um, we do have Myrtle collecting some of her pills right. to ultimately, um, I'm going to assume, overdose on. And do you want to talk a little bit about what kind of redemption you see for her through these choices? Yeah, I mean, I think it's acceptance finally. Um Myrtle is of the generation that is absolutely irretrievably and permanently scarred by the Great Depression. And she remembers when the stores had nothing left to sell and Daddy went to the bank to get the family's money out and they wouldn't give it to him and they never got it. And so her uh, sense of security is in hoarding. Mm. Maybe what we would call hoarding just because we've never been through that situation. Right. And so that's maybe a little bit of perspective and tolerance that I, I wanted to explore there. You know, that, that the younger character just, you know, just, just can't really relate to that. Um, also, too, uh, Myrtle understands the value of a dollar. You know, someone that age usually understands the value of a penny. Yep. Um, so these drugs now are just massively expensive, and if she's being prescribed uh, and she's not using it, heck yeah, she's going to hang on to it. Mm-hmm. The other thing, too, towards the start, I think when she's being so uh, hard to deal with, somebody in that position, I just feel would, they, they just don't have any control, and, and they, they can't drive anymore, they can't you know, be upwardly mobile as far as going outside, even for a walk around. All they can hang on to and control is, well, I'm going to take my pill later. Or, you know, or I can be hard to deal with here and they're going to do this when I say they're going to do it. I mean, that's just all the exercise of authority that they can muster at that stage. Mm -hmm. And so I think given her... um, her health situation, um, frankly, the ultimate control that she can exercise is whether she continues to exist in this condition yeah, or not. Right. And, you know, the, the thought of not is just, you know, human nature and the, you know, us wanting to stay alive, you know, no matter what, um, you know, just, just finally getting to a point of acceptance and and maybe imparting some things possibly to this younger person or specifically in this story, um, making something akin to a peace with the past and the trauma that she's experienced. We're kind of coming up a little bit here. We're running out of time, but I, so having said that, and I don't want to spoil your ending here, but that then leads into one other thing. And the ending sort of puts a different spin on the whole thing the in the end do yeah you, do you know what we're what we mean when we're saying like the end the sure. last few sure. <laughs> listeners go read yeah. the script it's online yeah i mean yeah, I, I, we I, can I, spoil I, as much I, as you're I, comfortable I, with I, al but i'm just curious about like what the how, how does that last part that you put in there of a bit of a reveal figure into everything else that we've gotten to at this point yeah it's everything. Uh, part of my process is on a screenplay is I will have up to three uh, what are called table reads or table readings um, where you get a group of friends. You know, it helps if they're theater people, but if they have no background in arts, that's fine, too, because mm-hmm. we all know truth and we all know good storytelling or lack thereof, which is what I'm looking for. Um, get everybody together and read the script out loud. 
and solicit feedback, and, and you hear the, the, the bum notes, I guess you'd call it. Uh, one of the people that I had over for the first table reads of Thank You, Amelia Earhart, um, is a wonderful lady uh, who runs one of the local theaters here. And the ending is a twist, and just in pushing it around, we figured out, because this was originally written as a stage play. Okay, I can that, see that. That's a dream, and I thought maybe this was going to be my first one, but it ended up not to be. Um, the reason why it's an actual movie screenplay is because we determined uh, that it just would not work on stage. And uh, so when it's all said and done, the ending hopefully produces in the reader and hopefully eventually viewer just the thought of loss and this person you know that i'm seeing who maybe just passed away here and that's kind of giving it away she does die at the end mm -hmm. how we get there hopefully is the, <laughs> the fun it's of the it. trick um hopefully we get that sense of loss that i felt uh with my mother to a certain extent and yeah. with my okay. uh, brother sister's 107 year old grandmother that boy who was this person and actually, in, in going through the exercise of reading the script or hopefully seeing the movie at some point, oh, my gosh, we know. We know who this person was, and we're really feeling lost because we know. Okay. That, 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 that makes sense now, thinking about it. It does, about... yeah, specifically from that personal experience you shared. Yeah. yeah. Folks, if, so if, yeah. You're, if you are intrigued by that, that little tease there for the ending, please go to scriptshopshow.com. Slash submits. Slash I mean, scripts. scripts. Sorry, wrong. Why do I even bother talking? It's okay. You're fine. <laughs> You're getting there. You're getting there. I'm learning how to talk today. <laughs> uh, scriptshopshow.com slash scripts, and you can you can read the script that uh, Al was kind enough to send to us and to really tap into some very, very personal, personal stuff. That, that's very sweet of you, Al. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's what resonates. And um, if someone wants to own a copy, it is actually on Amazon.com. There we oh, go. Oh, yay. Thanks yeah. for letting us know. Frank's happy Go about that. First. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, and it, how, what's the best way for somebody to get in touch with you, Al, if they want to work with you on this or any of your other well, projects? Um, we did actually set up um, a Facebook page yeah, for Thank You, Amelia Earhart. Great. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's Thank You, comma, Amelia Earhart uh, movie and pre-production. Wow. Excellent. And so if, uh, if someone is so inclined, uh, get on there and like it, and then uh, we post regular updates to it just as the process moves along to seeing it on uh, on the screen. Absolutely. And we'd love to have you back on to talk about this as it moves forward into production. So keep, oh, keep us in mind. Anytime. Just shoot me an email. Yes, please. Yeah, keep us, give us updates. Yeah, what fun. People can hear another 50 minutes of me and who wouldn't want that? <laughs> Al, come on. <laughs> Listen, Al, we're not promising you a whole show here. <laughs> no, that's great. That's very cool. Good luck to you uh, with that and, and everything else. It, 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 we're really happy to have had you on. Oh, sure thing. Yeah, well, anytime. I, I've enjoyed it. Thanks very much, Al. Thank you. Oh, you bet. All right. Well, that's Al Mertens. That was great. From Oklahoma. Boy, what? I, I mean, th the origin story there alone was that Beautiful. was uh, that was something that was very, very personal. Yeah. It's funny because I have my list. You know, we both, Jack and I both prepare a list of questions about mm -hmm. all of our scripts and our writers before we jump on the show. But I think that technically I've only crossed off one actual question because those conversations just yeah. go in ways you don't you don't anticipate yeah agreed you know? i you know one Maybe thing some we, others but one of the things we didn't get into that I, I actually jotted down a line of dialogue from that script that i thought was really important for the script it yes was, our whole lives we tell people who we want to be when we're gone we're who we really were mm. and i really dug that i thought that was really because you, you don't who you, we really you were. don't have any say over who you really are it's what how everybody remembers you oh, and it's just in, it's just actions that's and it's truth. just that's it yeah as much as you may want to say i hey i'm this way i'm this yeah. way put this on my tombstone you get remembered how you get remembered yeah and i think that i thought that was i thought that was a good line. man that's man i could probably just spend another hour talking about that thought right yeah hey there do you have a line mm -hmm. do you want to uh let people know Nailed about it look at this yeah uh, well, there's a way you can let us know about it by going on to scriptshopshow.com slash submit, and you can uh, you can share with us your words and your personal thoughts on death or <laughs> what, wherever it comes from, whatever it yeah. is, we would be very interested in reading it. I know we giggle like, Ugh! but that's because, of course, these are huge 
big talk topics to be taken seriously. And Jack and I love reading your words. We love learning about the personal stories that have led you to write these things. Mm-hmm. And we can't wait to hear what you have to say. So yeah. please send them in. Um, please look us up also Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And uh, Patreon. If Patreon. You're, if you like what you heard yep. and you want to throw a little bit our way, we're not going to say no. Yeah, we're not going to say no to that. <laughs> and then also, you know, get on iTunes. Um, oh, leave yes. us a review. Follow us, share the podcast, please, so that we can continue to meet to reach more listeners and writers. See, so. this is an interactive thing. We do this, and yeah. then we need y'all to step up and do a little something too. And that's keep just it, how this keep works. Keep the keep the money keep the money growing. The circle <laughs> yeah, of, just made I was going to go like more of a circle of life kind of. Thing. I like circle of life better because we're not we don't make any money doing this. <laughs> go to Patreon. We could Patreon though. fifty cents my way. Thank you. Other than that, that's it, folks. All right, and until next week, that's a wrap. Script Shop was created by Allison West, hosted by Allison West and Jack Crumley, produced by Frank Steele. Thanks to iHeartMedia Cincinnati for use of their studio. Intro music, Retro Soul by bensound.com. Outro music by purple-planet.com. Special thanks to all our guests. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.